happening? I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you here this morning. This week, we are starting a new message series, Life of the Party. So um, how in, the, in, in a world where we are, are filled um, with all these opportunities to commit party fouls, you know what that is, making a mess, breaking something, destroying something, being embarrassed and humiliated in front of everyone. In a world where so often we commit so many party fouls, God is ready to bring new life to our party, to give us deep joy and and deep gratitude and deep happiness. And so this week we're going to be looking, um, we're, we're going to be looking at um, at how Jesus um, brings life into to your into your party. So I want to start this morning by asking a question: What are some things that you have poured your life into this week, this month? This year, what are some things that you've poured your life into? I'll start this morning. I have poured my life into my job. I stay up late. I work extra hours. I send emails and text messages. Even while I'm on vacation, I work really hard. And I wind up pouring so much of myself into my job. What about you? What have you poured your life into? I pour my life into my family. My kids need clean pajamas, clean clothes. They need food and dinner. They need so much for me. I love my kids. I love my family. I love my job. But I pour so much of my life into my family. What are some things that you are pouring your life into? I pour myself into my friends. I answer text messages even late at night. When there's births or deaths, I make meals to care for them. I spend extra time with them. I try to care about them. I worry about them. I worry about being liked by them. I worry about making them mad. I worry about worrying. I pour my life into my friendships. I love them, but I pour so much of myself into my friendships. What about you? What are you pouring your life into. If I'm really honest with you, I pour a lot of myself into looking good. It takes a lot of energy to look like you're successful and have your life all put together. It takes a lot of energy to make sure I, I, I have the perfect outfit, the perfect hair, the perfect kids, the perfect family, the perfect yard, the perfect house, the perfect everything. It takes a lot of energy. I pour a lot into making sure that I look good and th- I look like I'm put together. I pour so much of myself into this. What do you pour yourself into? What are you pouring your life into? I, I pour a, a lot of, of myself into ignoring um, the things in this world that are causing pain and suffering to others. I spend a lot of my life trying to maintain the world that I live in that benefits me, and I ignore things like racism or, or people who experience life differently than me. I invest in my bank account and my life and my things, and I forget about the people around me. Sometimes I empty myself into making sure my world looks exactly the way I want it to look. I pour a lot of energy and time, a lot of my energy and time, into making sure I control everything about my life. Every little thing about my life, I want to control everything. I want to make sure I don't take any, I calculate every single risk. I I worry and stress and, and am nervous about the future. I pour so much of my life into controlling everything, and I never relax or let go. 
And pretty soon, I'm like all these jars up here, I'm empty. What about you? What have you poured your life into and how do you feel empty this morning? We're going to look at a story in John chapter 2, the very first miracle of Jesus, when he encountered this, a bunch of emptiness. And we're going to hear about what Jesus does at this party and what Jesus does for you if you feel like this this morning. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples also had been invited to the wedding. So he had just actually, just before this wedding, Jesus had went and met 12 dudes who were fishing and doing all kinds of things, and he asked them to come and follow him. So they were, they were really, honestly, his new best friends. So Jesus, a 30-year-old guy, is at a wedding, single, ready to mingle maybe with his new best friends that he's made. He's ready for this party. Jesus' mother was also there. Um, but when the wine was gone, he'd also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out our choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. I need you to understand this. Weddings are a huge deal in this culture. It is the only party sometimes that these couples will ever have. It is they, Their families spend years saving up the money to host these amazing and great parties. Weddings are a huge, huge, huge deal in this culture. This culture at this time was built on honor and shame. It is an honor for you to be invited to be the guest at a wedding. It is a shame for you not to have an invitation. It is an honor to be able to throw the best and most amazing party. It is a shame to commit party fouls and run out of wine at the party. This was a big, huge deal, and everybody in the world is looking at this couple, and something happens. Something happens at this wedding. There is emptiness. There is emptiness. Maybe, like us, they had spent so much of their lives pouring into their jobs. They'd worked so hard to please and impress their boss, and he's at the wedding, and they make sure his glass is full all night long, and before the party is over, they have no more wine to give everybody else. 
their family is there. They've, they've been above and beyond to care for and love their family. They make sure their glasses are full all night long at the party. The party is not yet over. They've taken all the wine and there's none left for anybody else. The person who makes their clothes and sells it to them, who helps them keep up this look that they have to have for the whole world, they've poured her all of the wine that they have at the party and there's no more left for anybody else. Maybe, maybe you know what they feel like. Everybody is staring at them. The party is still happening and there's no more wine. You know what you don't bring to a party? You want to know what really ruins a party? Emptiness. Empty drinks, empty tables, empty food, empty fun, empty people. Emptiness can ruin a party. And emptiness may be ruining the party that God has for you this morning. So Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. The, the, there's no more wine. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is hearing the panic in the crowd. There's no more wine. There's no more wine. The master of the ceremony, this guy's only job is to make sure this party goes off without a hitch. And he's like, there's no more, there's no more wine. I don't know what we do. The bridegroom's parents are like, there's no more wine. We don't know what to do. Everybody is panicking. They're losing it because there is no more wine. And Jesus, Jesus' mother comes up to him and says, Jesus, there's no more wine. And he says, why are you involving me in this? My hour has not yet come. My ministry hasn't really officially begun. Why are you involving me in this? I know, Mom, when I was 12 years old, I was in a temple, and I knew what God was going to ask me to do. But my hour to redeem them from this emptiness and this shame has not yet come. My time for going to the cross and giving it all up for them has not yet come. My time to raise above all the powers of shame and guilt and pain, it has not yet come mom just let me have fun at the party with my friends mom my hour hasn't yet come and Mary looks at the servants at the party and she says do whatever he tells you and I imagine what John didn't write in this gospel is the look Mary gave him the look that his mother gave him. Jesus, I, I imagine Mary looking at Jesus and saying, God whispered in my ear when I was an embarrassed teenager, engaged and not yet married, pregnant with you, the, the subject of shame and scorn in my community. God whispered in my ear that you would be called Emmanuel, that in the darkest and deepest and loneliest moments that God would be with us. You were that promise, Jesus. It's time to start your ministry, dude. It is time for you to live into who God has asked you to be. He will be called Jesus and he will sh save you from your pain and your shame. Jesus, I know what you did for me. I was a, a teenager, the subject of scorn, the subject of being embarrassed by the whole world. Jesus, and God whispered into my ear the, a truth that I knew the moment I gave birth to you, that you came to save the world from this darkness and this pain that this couple's feeling. They are humiliated in front of everybody who loves them, and there is one person at this party who I know can save them. Servants, you do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus says, you take the empty jars and go fill them up with water. Take the emptiness and fill it up with water. Take the empty jars and fill it up with water. The servants do that. They bring it back and he says, now scoop some, scoop some of that out. Take it to the master of the ceremony. And the master of the ceremony looks at him and says, wow, most people, most people serve their cheapest wine at the end of the night. You've saved your best for last. These guys had, get, this bridegroom, this couple had given their very, very best 
They've given their very best wine. They've given all of their income to make sure this party would look good. They've given the very best that they had to this party to start with. And they were still empty. And you know what Jesus was able to do with the emptiness? He was able to turn it into wine. Not just good wine, but the best wine of the night. If you are empty this morning, I want you to know what Mary knew about her son in that moment. I want you to know Jesus is ready to save us from every party foul we've ever committed. From everything we've broken and messed up from every humiliation and shame, from every failure, from every moment in your life that is the lowest and darkest moment. Mary knew this to be true about Jesus. He will turn your life into a party. Your emptiness will not have the last word. And I want you to know this this morning. That same thing is true today. If you are empty, Jesus is ready to fill you up. I want us to look at a few things that Jesus did in this story. If this morning you're coming empty, I, I want you to know that, that, that one thing, Jesus didn't just turn the water into wine. Jesus turned panic into hope. Everybody is panicking and worried about what is going to happen next. Maybe you're living your life like that. You want to know what will empty you faster than anything in the whole world? Panic and worry and stress and anxiety about the future and what the next thing brings. It will empty you out. It will empty you out. Your panic will rob you of everything that's in your glass. It will rob you of everything that's in your glass. And Jesus turns that panic into hope, into hope. That all that energy that's spent pouring out, worrying about trying to control everything, to, to keep yourself free from this panic about what might come next, Jesus is ready to turn that into hope. Your emptiness will not have the last word. Your failure will not have the last word. Your shame and humiliation will not have the last word, Jesus says. I will fill you up. Jesus is ready to turn your panic into hope. Jesus is ready to turn your panic into hope. And I've seen Jesus do this in the early days of the pandemic when we are all panicked and, and sitting home and, and, and people are hungry and they're worried about what's going to come next. And, and, and nobody knows, like, how do we care for our neighbors? Sean Brown, a guy in, in our, our congregation here that's a part of Horizon, he said, I know a Jesus who turns panic into hope. What does it look like for us to start collecting food for our neighbors who don't have enough money? What does it look like for us to be followers of a Jesus who turns our panic into hope and to offer hope in the face of other people's panic? Jesus is still turning water into wine and Jesus is still turning panic into hope. He's doing it right now. Ask the 160 families who get food from the Gandhi Civic Center once a week because they don't always know where their next meal is going to come from. Ask them about the Jesus who uses people just like you to turn panic into hope. Empty people who poured so much of their lives into panicking and worrying have been given hope that this isn't the last word that there is something better coming, that you are loved and worthy. You are loved and worthy to get food and to serve it to other people. A Jesus who turns our panic into hope. The Jesus who turned water into wine is still, is still turning panic into hope. Jesus turns shame into glory. Jesus turns our shame into glory. Do you know this couple's name that, that hosted this wedding? No, but you know what you know about them? That Jesus turned water into wine. 
Do, do I know every shameful part about your story? No, but can I tell you about the glory of, of God that's shined through the things that Jesus has been able to do in your life? Can I do that? Are you letting the Jesus who turns water into wine, who turns panic into hope, are you letting that Jesus turn your shame into glory? Maybe people won't remember your name, but will they remember what you did to shine light and ignite change in the world? We don't know this couple's name. We don't know who messed up the order, who didn't order enough wine. We don't know any of those things. But what we know is that in the shameful and lowly moments, God was giving glory because this, this couple said, Jesus, do it. Do what you need to do at this party. Follow Jesus. And their shame was turned into glory. What shameful part of your story is there and it hurts and it's bad, but what could God do? What glory could God bring out of the most shameful and lowest moments of your life? Are you letting the Jesus who turns water into wine turn your panic into hope and your shame into glory? Are you ready to let Jesus take your shame and turn it into his glory for a world that needs to know about his goodness and love? Jesus turns failure into a party. Why haven't you took the risk? Maybe this couple knew we probably don't have enough money to invite this many guests and have this long of a party. You know what they did? They threw a party anyway. And what does Jesus do? He uses their failure and their moment of not being enough. He turns it into a great party where everybody had fun and there was enough for everybody. This is true about Jesus, right? What is it that you are afraid of doing next because you're really scared of failure? Do you see what Jesus does? He turns water into wine. He turns panic into hope. He turns shame into glory. And he takes your failure and he turns it into a party. You don't have to live scared and holding on and embarrassed anymore. Don't do that anymore. Jesus wants you to experience joy and love and goodness and a party. God is ready. God is ready to turn your failure into a party. God is ready to turn your failure into a party. Guys, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This was the very first thing that Jesus did. This was the very first sign, the very first miracle of Jesus. It wasn't, we'll learn, we'll read later about Jesus healing the blind. We'll read later about Jesus taking a few fish and loaves of bread and feeding 5,000 people, miraculously feeding the hungry. We will hear about Jesus miraculously healing the leprosy, the skin disease of people and making them whole again. We'll learn all of that. But the very first thing that Jesus did is important for people like me and you because he took our emptiness and he turned it into a party. He took our emptiness and he turned it into something good for, for them and for a whole host of people. This is who Jesus is. It's the very first thing he did and it's the very first thing he wants to do in your life. He wants to take your emptiness, your shame, your pain, and he's ready to do something with it. So what does that mean you do? We are a people who follow a Jesus who turns water into wine, who turns panic into hope. What are you doing this week in a world that's panicked and worried to offer hope? You are the hands and feet of Jesus, a Jesus who turns water into wine. You are capable of doing something this week to turn panic into hope. What are you going to do this week to make sure that someone who's living panicked knows about the hope and goodness of the Jesus who turns our emptiness into a party. You 
the hands and feet of Jesus are going to face somebody who is shamed and ridiculed, humiliated, and looked down upon by the world. And you will have a chance to tell them about the glory and goodness of God at work in them. Who this week, who this very week needs to hear, I hear you have some shame in your life. I hear you're embarrassed and you're living a certain way, but I want you to know something. I want you to know you have the glory and goodness of God at work in your life. How are you going to do that this week? Who are you going to do that for? You are the hands and feet of Jesus, the Jesus who turns water into wine, the Jesus who wants to use you, use you this week to help someone's shame turn into glory and goodness for God. You are going to have a chance this week to avoid failure at all costs, to do something that protects you and your reputation and your family and everything around you, or you are going to have a chance to take a step, to stand up for some things that matter in this world, to stand up against racism, to, to take the risk that you need to take at work to make sure people know about the glory and goodness of God. You are going to have some risk this week that God is going to ask you to take that will shine light and ignite change, that will offer a party to people who need it. And you have a chance this week, you have a chance this week to risk failure and experience the party that Jesus has for you and for the whole world. And it's really, really good. It is really, really good. So my, my question to you this morning is, do you trust your life? Do you trust your emptiness? Do you trust your failure and your shame and your panic? Do you trust it to Jesus? Can you ask him this morning, will you turn all of this in to your goodness? Will you pray with me? God, we are so thankful that at the cross, you took on our shame and pain. You took on all of that, God, and you, you rose above it. You brought something new out of it. You brought a party for the whole world. And we're so sorry that so often in life, God, we choose panic and shame and failure instead of the good things you want to fill us up with. And so right now, this morning, God, we stand before you, we sit before you, and we ask you to take our lives and do what it is you've been doing forever, God, and you turn our emptiness into something good for the world. We pray, God, you'll shine light and ignite change in our lives and that you will use us to shine light and ignite change in a world ready for it. We love you and we thank you so, so much for loving us even in our emptiness, even in our shame, even in our pain and embarrassment. Thank you for loving us and for creating a miracle in us and through us. And use us as your hands and feet to be part of the miracles that you are still doing in this world. Amen. There's often nothing quite like Mother's Day to remind us of some of the pain and emptiness that we've experienced in our lives. And also remember uh, the, the, the party and the goodness that God has for us. I just want to acknowledge that so many of us bring so much to church on a day like this. And I just want to offer a prayer for all of us this morning that may have lots of different experiences of being a mother. To those who gave birth to their first child this year, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badges of food stains, we appreciate you. 
to those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or your kid running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it already is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who've lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you longed it would be. To those who, who step-parent, we walk with you on this complex path. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart forever. And to those who are pregnant, with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. We have real warriors in our midst. We remember you, we honor you, and we thank God for you.